0: First Time Feelings is a monthly podcast hosted by two Melbourne women exploring universal human experiences via micro-narratives based
1: on first-time feelings. Whether it be shame, guilt, longing, anxiety or lust, each anecdote is an honest, witty and relatable vignette that
0: taps into the messy human journey we're all on. Naming and reclaiming emotion, one feeling at a time.
1: Hello. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of First-Time Feelings, a podcast dedicated to telling stories about the experience of first-time emotions. I'm Ruth, and this is Crystal. Join us for stories and conversation that conjure the powerful experience of primary emotions and how they make us part of who we are today.
0: A warm glow at the end of the road, a destination after a long journey. Once you've arrived, you can kick back your heels, lean back and celebrate. When you try your hardest, when you emotionally invest, when you have a burning desire to succeed and you become the master of your craft, then you may feel accomplished. In episode 9, we explore the first time we felt this golden child of all the feels. The payoff after the toiling and the trying is the feeling of accomplishment.
1: There are two L's in Lama. When my brother wasn't chewing his way through a pram, scalding himself with hot coffee, and or hurling himself down a flight of stairs and a pane glass window, he was reading. By the age of three, he was a chatterbox and prolific word star. By the age of three, he was reading mills and boons, cookbooks, pamphlets. If it had words, he read it. He struggled with motor skills comparatively. I'm told I watched silently as he tried in exasperation to tie his shoes and blow his nose. And without any instruction and on cue, I did both with great ease. So while I showed off my advanced motor skills as a two-year-old, always dancing, exhibiting my backwards somersault to the camera and what looks like an early parody of mooning, it's impossible to recall a time when I began to read properly because my brother was always upstaging me on that front think it was 1985 when my grandfather came over, or it might have been 1986. I didn't remember him when we left, but I I loved him instantly when he arrived in Perth, Australia. He was olive when he arrived and would leave Perth very brown as he was the Spanish-Irish type with the roguish look of a film star gone to seed. Tough and weathered looking, he was a drinker full of pub stories, smoke and fantasy. And smoke. He smoked incessantly. Sometimes accidentally burning things. My mum's wedding veil, us kids once or twice, but we forgave it. My mum, not so much. He bought us Toblerone bars and told me made-up stories about being in the army. I grew used to him, and I loved the hot yellow mustard he put on everything and the ubiquitous beer in his hand. Although he was not a very educated man, he was of a generation that valued education. And in Ireland, his primary schooling was of a very high standard. I was five and not yet in year one but he told me I needed to get ahead of the game. That summer, we sat at the Mission Brown kitchen bench and he taught me how to write, sounding out letters first, starting with my own name. I don't even know how long it took, how much I'd known before he arrived, but I do know in those first few days of schooling in my forest green and brown uniform, incredulous and scared, cross-legged, I was reading and writing very well. In fact, I corrected my mum during a bedtime story about the word species. I do also remember the moment that Mrs Gardner, our primary school teacher, showed us the more difficult words on the board. Words with silent letters, double letters, words that don't make sense to non-English speakers or first-time readers and writers. My hand shot up. Then she showed us harder words. My hand shot up again and again. Finally, we got to L. There was a picture of a llama. Now, I don't know if anyone can write this one. It's very difficult, Mrs Gardner said, but I knew. Lama had two L's. I was a master of reading. I saw my grandfather only once more after that in a pub where he spent most of his life. I was nine. All the men in this Dublin pub knew me from my picture. I was Ruthie from Australia. And then he burnt me by accident as I walked past him. Or maybe another old man did. But I'm pretty sure it was him. I don't ever know that if he, a bus driver with a primary school education, taught me how to read and write. And that sense of accomplishment, the buzzing brain, the recognition of image and symbol, that sense of awe, that I can do it, has never really left me. He made me feel accomplished.
0: Wow, I think that's a really endearing story, just firstly. (laughs) Um, And like, how amazing that, you know, your grandpa had such an impact on you and probably didn't even realise. Um, but it really, to me, kind of like sparked how important the influence of people around you is when you're a child totally. and yeah. you know, like imagine like your first time feeling accomplished, like it wouldn't have happened without the influence of an adult in yeah, your life. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And like an older, and like an older person too, um, mm. And I think, um, you know, I didn't really have – I think I was quite obsessed with old people, like, around that age too. Like, seniors. They know everything. How do yeah. they do that? <laughs> They've lived so long. But, like, I because re- I didn't have grandparents living in Australia and so I really wanted them. So I was trying yeah. to collect grandparents, like – Um, but, and he was only with us for like, I mean, he might've been with us for like a month because it was a really long trip over and it's quite amazing. He got on a plane. Like this is a man who probably didn't leave his own street, you know?
0: Um, and it's,
1: it was a long time ago. It was a huge, huge undertaking. So him coming was massive and, um, yeah, but you know, that, that month or something, you know, to have such a significant impact on my life is, is quite amazing really.
0: Yeah, it's like the power um, to kind of like positively impact children um, is massive. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like most people, you know, modern day parenting um, have a good awareness of that, but it's really like heartening to hear it demonstrated like that, it's just like this is why you have to be encouraging of your children yeah. or you know or of children that you're around, you know, your friends' children or, or whatever. It's like your influence has a really massive impact on them.
1: Yeah it doesn't have to also be like baby Beethoven or anything like that no, like I mean no. obviously he, d- he wasn't skilled in teaching yeah, someone yeah. so it was, just, it was just time and attention which I think is amazing but mm. it's really funny because after I wrote this story I was feeling really strange and sentimental and it's sort of not really like me to write sentimental things and um I was thinking about my <laughs> yes, mostly uh death
0: <laughs> Just mostly yeah death and crime yeah
1: totally and I was thinking about my mum and her relationship with her dad and how it was really fraught and also his whole relationship with all his children mm. um so for me while he was like you know I mentioned he burned a hole in her veil at her wedding um he but bro-
0: I was going, I didn't want to go too often. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I was going to say, mm, he had a positive influence on you in regards to, like, you know, um, literacy and yeah, learning how to read back. Yeah, yeah, He did burn a lot of yeah. things. And how did that impact? Stuff? Yeah, well,
1: I mean, he was also at the pub, like, yeah. a lot of the time yeah. when he was there. And so, like, it's, I don't also, I felt a little bit sort of almost complicit in, um, I don't want to, um, you know,. Uh, airbrush a person um, sure. and, yeah, and also like the reality of it was he was a great grandparent to me but for my mum he wasn't a very good parent so mm. and that's you know I think I was having a conversation with someone about grandparents yeah. and how they can be it might have even been you <laughs> probably <laughs> um, yep. yeah and I, for me he was um you know he was a great grandparent even though um I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him and I was really touched because when I went to the pub that he um lived at um called the comet all these old men were like oh you know I've seen pictures of you Mm. dancing and in gymnastics and they knew what I was into and yeah um so he was really proud of us and everything um but yeah he had all these other issues Mm. and um
0: yeah I mean that is really fascinating I guess because it kind of like delves into the complexities of humans and how um you know in different times in our life we're capable of doing different things and being uh, you know behaving in a different way due to context so like he may not have been a good parent for various reasons you know maybe he wasn't ready maybe yeah you know that relationship was new but he was able to be a good parent yeah um probably you know I'm sure it had to do with not having as much responsibility. Totally. For, it's yeah. Not your, your child that you yeah. have to like raise and deal with all the time. But, you know, it does kind of really speak to the complexities of how we behave at different times in our life and what we yeah. are emotionally capable of doing at different times in our life.
1: Yeah. And also
0: the remove
1: of the generation. Yeah. I think there's a huge yeah. something to be said for that too. I think my mum always said, you know, when I was like, um, you know, because I was the first girl grandchild that he was really besotted and he had a real, um, you know, it was very, um, he was, you know, he just really loved me and Mm, was very, mm. and so for that, you know, because he died, I think when I um, was 11, so not, and, and obviously the amount of times that I saw him for that, the impact that he had in my life was quite was quite big you know Mm. but I did I have my mum sort of saying all these other things So I was always constantly aware of that but his attention
0: Mm. was
1: what I think was like I was already doing that stuff but him giving me that attention was what I think is really totally yeah I was gonna
0: comment on that as well because I feel like it's interesting because you know your feeling of accomplishment um it's you know, sprung out of essentially uh, non school learning, you know? Yeah, it's like extracurricular. Yeah. Just kind of like learning with a family member in a very um yeah, sort of not like yeah, just not in the the regular school system. So it's kind of like not self-led learning because it's, you know, it's led by another person, but yeah, not in a like traditional learning environment. Totally.
1: And I think also like um, I was thinking a lot about um, when we're, we've got an older sibling, for example, especially that they're they're a bit dominant. um, Oftentimes like the, the younger child won't speak as much or they won't like they won't reach those milestones or or they're doing those things they're doing them really quietly because the other child is kind of you know the center of attention taking the spotlight they're taking the bloody hogging the bloody spotlight (laughs) so I think that's the thing for me was that it was something I was
0: kind of quietly doing I mean we're up to episode nine and I feel like I um have a much deeper understanding of what it's like to be because I'm an only child um to have siblings and how that really affects your development like you know in good and bad ways yeah absolutely but it just like has a big impact on like yeah when you develop um you know, different sort of skill sets and how it's in relation to them and yeah. like what they're doing. And yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I'm like, Oh, I feel. <laughs> and mythology is yeah. also
1: surrounding um children, like in families. It's like, uh, one child is always like the social one, the talker, like they're always this. And the other one's
0: like this, they're the bookish one. Yeah, they're this. can't both be exhibiting those same behaviors. Otherwise it's like, Weirdly, yeah I don't know like there's not enough space for that or something yeah. yeah and then you get told
1: that so you sort of perceive yourself in a particular way so I find that really interesting because like I always thought of myself as a big reader and my mum always be like oh you weren't that interested in reading Simon was the reader and I'm like I'm quite sure that I was a reader like <laughs> you <but> just didn't <laughs> notice because he was in the spotlight with that's his book right. in front of you
0: and I was in a corner <laughs> that's right gnawing
1: on Toblerone um, yeah that was the other thing that he did um, he brought over kind of uh, exotic chocolate because there was you know there was no
0: Swiss chocolate in Perth WA oh, wow. in nineteen eighty six let me tell you that <laughs> So that's how you learn to that's, read and that's write. that's it that's that's how I learned <laughs> it was an old chocolate.
1: It was it probably was
0: yeah okay well um maybe I'll get going with my first time feeling of accomplished. The Dolphin Picture Book. I was a very creative child. I was constantly writing stories, inventing elaborate plots for my toys' lives, and illustrating detailed drawings, mostly of horses, as they were my ongoing obsession from age 8 to 12. I loved the magical and the fantastical. I was completely besotted with the Narnia series, and opened my wardrobe regularly to see if it had magically transformed into a portal to another dimension. It was a magnificent walnut wood antique, circa 1940, with beautiful brass finishings so it really looked the part. When my childhood cat had kittens in there a few years later, I assumed it was only because of the wardrobe's otherworldly character. She was clearly trying to transport them into another fantastical realm. Magic, fantasy and the supernatural were topics that I had become quite fascinated by. I longed for the world to be more like the books and TV shows I consumed. In year three, at age eight, I published an illustrated picture book. Year three had been going quite well for me. My collection of My Little Ponies had grown to 30 strong, and the much-coveted Sylvanian caravan had become mine at the Christmas just pass. Finally, my ever-growing population of Sylvanian animal families had a means of transport. Mrs Edwards, my year three teacher, was a lot of fun. She was encouraging and supportive, and I was impressed by how her curly hair had a natural bounce to it. When she announced at the start of the year that our English project for the term would be to write and illustrate a short story, I was over the moon. It barely felt like work. I was always writing in my spare time, and I knew instantly what genre my story would be. Animal fantasy. I had hungrily devoured Watership Down, and shed a few tears while I was doing so. And I was now engrossed in Dunkton Wood, a series that followed the lives of anthropomorphic moles living in Molden. It may sound childish, but the happenings in the mole empire could be quite brutal, full of deceit and treachery. I definitely didn't want my story to be quite so serious. After much deliberating about what animal would be the most interesting to make as my protagonist, I finally settled on a dolphin. The story focused on a dolphin that had been captured by an aquarium amusement park to perform tricks. She was living a very sad and restricted life in captivity until a young girl made it her mission to set her free. It was basically a plagiarised version of Free Willy, but thankfully no one pointed that out to me at the time. Whilst I can picture the book so clearly, I can't for the life of me remember the name. It was probably called Zelda Escapes or something of the like. I was playing a lot of Zelda at the time, and I can imagine my 8-year-old brain thinking that referencing the warrior princess from her favourite video game in the story was a very clever idea. For the sake of this story, we'll call the book I wrote at age 8, Zelda Escapes. I decided I wanted to make Zelda Escapes an A4 picture book with full colour illustrations on each page, with the text incorporated into the scenes themselves. I painstakingly drafted each page in lead pencil and then coloured them in with my brand new Faber-Castell pencils, bought especially for the project. Naturally, Zelda was a talking dolphin, and formed a bond with the little girl in the story, as she communicated to her and only her. Each time Zelda would talk, I had assigned a different colour to her dialogue. I thought this was genius, and a good way to bring more attention to the anthropomorphic nature of this very special dolphin. Each page took at least a couple of hours to complete. Seeing as colouring in with pencil is not the most efficient way of illustrating, especially if you have not refined your technique yet. Once the pages were finished, I asked my parents to drive me to the local arts and craft store. And there I bought a thick piece of quality card for the front and back covers and some ornate purple ribbon. These were the final touches. I affixed the front and back covers to the heavy duty card, careful to lightly apply glue and ensure there were no bumps. Then some heavy duty hole punching to allow for the binding. The purple ribbons were threaded through the holes and ta-da! My masterpiece was complete. I held it up in front of me like a cherished sacred idol. It was perfect in every way, a true representation of my personality and crafted with dedication and love. I marveled at it in all its aquamarine pink and purple glory the result of hours of hand-colouring and careful composition. It was a sight to behold. And that was just how it looked. Its nuanced characters and considered narrative structure were going to blow my teacher and classmates away. (laughs) Where
1: can I get this book? (laughs) (laughs) Is it a (laughs)
0: it? I don't think I got a publishing deal. Um, unfortunately, really should have. I'm I mean, really upset because the I. The quality love was. Dolphin story. Very, very high. <laughs> um, I, it's got to be somewhere. I feel like yeah. my mum would have kept it. Yeah. But then also probably threw it out in some kind of like. Fit of rage. Yeah. Or fit, <laughs> rage or like minimalism. Like, oh, I'm a minimalist now. Like, you okay. know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> One of the two. But I feel that it it's could, gone, it, though. It, oh, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's I gone. I feel very
1: sad to hear that because, um, yeah, it sounds like right up my alley. It also kind of reminded me a little bit of um, Blackfish, too, but, like, in a more, like, maybe, like, with that kind of Lisa Frank feel. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You can There's see a lot of dolphin yep. art going on yeah. the, around that time. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. dolphin art.
0: Yeah. It was a really. There was just. I don't know. Was it also the time, like in the nineties? Like, we were, we're was obsessed it just like with dolphins. dolphins everywhere. I have
1: a dolphin. I had a dolphin. Was, like, I had a dolphin folder. I had a dolphin. Um, like a bit mystical too. Something mm. a little bit mystical um, about them. A bit unicorny. They were, but they were the kind of the unicorn yeah. of the nineties. I
0: think they were definitely. Yeah, there was something
1: <laughs> going on there. Um, yeah. So that. Definitely, really appeals to me. Um, I also really liked that, you know, I think I wrote a novel too when I was like yeah, like that young and it was a complete ripoff of Back to the Future and <laughs> it was pointed out to me that
0: it was Yeah. and yep. I was
1: quite distraught um, because I think children, that's how you learn.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you have to
1: like, okay, you're going to rip some shit off. Like yeah. just let, let that I, be.
0: I don't think that... Um If that had have been pointed out to me, I don't think that would be the first time I felt accomplished. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it would be the first time I felt like a fraud. Yeah,
1: that's right. Or, yeah, very ashamed. Yes,
0: that would be the first time I felt ashamed. I'm really
1: glad that that did not happen because I think that is a really excellent way to learn how to write.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, Yeah, I definitely wasn't... um, cognizant that I... I think in my mind, you know, in my my child's mind, I was like, oh my god, it's totally different. It's a dolphin and it's a little girl and the dolphin talks. It's clearly... Different. It's a, pa- and
1: it, it everything that you do at that age. And I've seen lots of children's like stories and art and stuff. It's a pastiche of everything that you see, read and, you know, or love. Like, it's like. Exactly. Basically what you're doing is a tribute. It's a tribute. Yes.
0: <laughs> it, it was a tribute piece. And I yeah. think that, you know, really fed into why I was so proud of it. Yeah. At the end. And then why I felt like, wow, you've really, I think because. I did every element. So that was like, yeah. I think that's a really big so part of... So it was like of, a renaissance man kind of project. You
1: did the colouring, yes. you did the story.
0: I think that's why I felt so accomplished because I didn't get help from anyone. Yeah. Um, you know, I wrote the story. I did all the illustrations. Yeah. I didn't outsource the colouring no. to China. No. Um, or another child. Or another child. <laughs> Um, you know, and I did all the finishing touches like, oh, I, you know, you I actually, it. You pre- I found it. it. <laughs> yeah, I did it all. That's and, very special. Yeah. It's, I think
1: there's something really lovely about that when you're a child, that level of obsession about something too, mm, like, mm. and also like quite perfectionistic too. Like oh, absolutely. To, like, could you imagine kind of doing that now? Like, it's like, it's good enough. Yeah, yeah. Who's got time for this? <laughs> yeah. It's just the that kind of single minded yeah. obsessiveness about I'm gonna put
0: that it. that um like that aspect of it on air tasker. Like yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. Who can colour this in? I'll just outsource this. Yep.
1: And Zelda was a pretty amazing game also.
0: It really was. I wish I could remember what it was actually called, but I feel like that was like the first thing that came to my mind. I'm like, okay, what else was I thinking about at that time? What else was I into? And I was like, mm. oh man, I was really into that Zelda game. Like, I felt like all my time was spent, um, yeah, drawing horses, playing Zelda, um, collecting like weird, you know, like those um, like just collector cards. Like, yeah, there was, I can't remember exactly where Not they were garbage from. Pale kids, or was that, no. like that past your
1: time? I'd say.
0: I think that a was a little bit. bit yeah past that yeah. Um, but yeah just like collectible cards with animals that were probably put out by some like wildlife association to raise money yeah. but I was just like obsessed with these weird animal cards I was yep. just obsessed with animals so yeah, getting yeah. to write a story about when I was like oh my god this yeah, is my yeah. dream come true well
1: I'm I just like nearly like weed myself when I heard your sylvanian family collection I was like how does she have that (laughs) I want them now like when I go into like if if I see them (laughs) I'm like I I'm so jealous they're so Um, cute they're so like and but it's also like there's something about the micro universe too absolutely yeah Yeah. there's something really compelling
0: about that yeah and I think it's like you know It's a control thing as well. You get to have control over all your toys. Oh, Um, totally. That's a really big thing when you're a child and you're kind of figuring out, like, you know, you learn a lot from playing. Like, play is such a big part of um, development for children. And it's like, yeah sylvanian animal families you know i created like whole societies and that was like actually a genuine like i was i mean i was joking about getting the caravan but it was a genuine like concern for me as an eight-year-old because i was like okay so i've set up their whole kind of like neighborhood and they've got like a house and they had like a little coffee cart and they had, had like you know seven different families that all lived in the neighbourhood, but they couldn't really get around. So yeah. then, so
1: it was like a genuine concern, you know, a transport like, a, transport, a transport issue and <laughs> I was infrastructure like... Infrastructure is, yeah, is just, a problem. It was a problem. <laughs> yeah. And so
0: when I got the caravan, I was like, great, so now they can all travel and if they want to go from, you know, if they want to go for a little like countryside like jaunt they can yeah. or if one family needs to go visit another family on the other side of town, they yeah. can do that. And, you know, I was really super thrilled yeah. about that
1: I think also it's the collection too because like I did not I had one My Little Pony and it was the blue one with um pink bows on the side I can't remember what that one's called yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think I had one care bear like I think I like I Whoa. feel a little bit weird about that. Like,
0: deprived? <laughs> Not deprived. More just I'm like, like, you only have one. i sort I'm of sl-
1: slutty with my
0: head. <laughs> you know what I
1: mean? Like, where is the, where are the others? Like, I mean, yeah. there was no kind of like, there was no rhyme or reason to it. It was like, I had one of, I had one action man and a Barbie doll. Like, mm. oh, but it wasn't even a Barbie. It was a skipper. It was skipper, like her, her child. Mm. Her oh yeah. Skipper. Yeah. yeah. I remember Skipper. Yeah. Um,
0: it sounds like. You were probably just um, being, either, you know, your parents were being kind of like disciplined, which is good and normal. Um, whereas my parents are like, oh my god, she's an only child. Just she give her the Sylvania, <laughs> give her the, the Sylvania families, give her the thirty My Little Ponies, and then maybe she'll stop requesting like a little brother or sister or dog, you know, or actual real life animal, mm. just like. We can um, abate her um, demands, but I still
1: requested a sister constantly.
0: Yeah, yeah, didn't happen. No, no.
1: I even got a book out of the library about it and told my parents. I was oh like, my you god, you can adopt one.
0: <laughs> really specific <laughs> I like countries. how you were. Um, I wanted them. advising. Yeah, advising. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's okay.
1: <laughs> you can't always get what you want.
0: It's true. There's been songs written
1: about yeah. it. Yeah. But
0: sometimes you do get what you want, which is publishing. And publishing a, your first book. Publishing my first book. Um, I want to reissue. I think that's what
1: needs to happen. Like, it was a really. um, Or was it like a kind of something you couldn't
0: revisit? Like, like the dark side of the moon or something? <laughs> uh, can it ever be reissued? And I don't know. Like, but I really want to see it like now that it's, yeah. you know, God, like 20 odd more than that someone's got to do some years digging. later yeah. yeah I want to see it yeah it's yeah. like when you um you know like often I can think about movies from um the 80s that I really cherish a la, you know like the dark crystal and yep. labyrinth and yep. and fraggle rock and all of that and yep. I'm thinking of all the ones that include Muppets yeah um, <laughs> Goonies yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you go back and you watch it and it's like in your mind because you're still kind of viewing it through a lens of a child like your imagination kind of creates this really really like high definition um you know movie with yeah really quality puppets and everything looked (laughs) very real and um had this huge impact and then you go watch it as an adult and you're like whoa I can see the strings moving and like you know yeah this does not have the same impact and I do fear that Zelda escapes. I would go back, and I was like, "Man, this coloring is so bad!" And that doesn't even look like a dolphin; it just looks like a banana. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <is> okay, <laughs> I
1: see what you mean. Yeah, so maybe perspective, yeah. um,
0: shame, or yeah. disappointment. Yeah, maybe it's you know it's best never to be um to be seen again. Yeah, well, that's kind of a
1: that's kind of like a, a bittersweet. Uh, end to that story really (laughs) (laughs) yes it
0: is cool well we've come to the end of episode 9 thank you so much for joining in and listening to that episode we're actually getting really close to the end of the first season so please keep staying with us Um, we'll be coming to you with episode 10 in about a month's time but um, in the meantime please uh, follow us on first time feels podcast and tell your friends particularly the ones that you know like feelings like talking about feelings or just like podcasts. weird wacky podcasts or just podcasts whatever just tell the people because um, we'd like to get it out there to everybody um, yeah And you can download the podcast from Apple iTunes, the Purple Podcast app. Thanks for having us. Bye.